A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Welcome to Cocoons of Horror. Today we take a look at John Carpenter's scathing critique of consumerism. They live. Bay Live stars the rowdiest of all Roddies, Roddy Piper, as a drifter who stumbles, quite literally, upon sunglasses that reveal the frightening truth about our world. <laughs> Anthony Ladon and I have come to podcast and chew bubblegum, and we're all out of bubblegum. Steve, do you have an elevator pitch for this movie? Okay, I couldn't get Kurt Russell. <laughs> The funny thing is that Roddy Piper isn't even a poor man's Kurt Russell. Right. What is the set between Kurt Russell and Roddy Piper? Like, there's uh, got to be like three or four it, steps, right? Well, it's Kanicki from Greece. <laughs> is Gutenberg in between those two? Uh, he's adjacent. <laughs> he's he's Roddy adjacent. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, Steve Gutenberg would be like, uh, I don't know, like uh, apathetic Roddy Piper. Like, not rowdy. He's not rowdy, no. No. Not rowdy. Reserved, <laughs> reserved Roddy Piper. <laughs> I do like that he shed the rowdy for this role. Well, he had to quit the WWF to do this. All right, tell me the story. Because I'll tell you what. By the time I started to be interested in professional wrestling, you know, let's say I was nine or ten years old, Rowdy Roddy Piper was sort of a legend. So his prime escaped me entirely. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I, I remember him. So I think yeah, I think we were probably into wrestling around the same time. I think I would probably got more into it because of the Saturday morning cartoon. Mm, mm-hmm, with, mm, with Hulk, mm. and, and where Rowdy Roddy Piper was the like the leader of the villains, right? So he was. Oh yeah, char- there he charge. had a cartoon. Yeah, he was in charge of like uh, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik, mm-hmm, and whereas mm-hmm. meanwhile like, Hogan was you know with uh, you know Andre the Giant and all those guys. Um, Funny that dog. they put the Scotsman in with the. <laughs> <laughs> it was just what it's just all xenophobic. This cartoon, you know, the right, Russian, yeah. the Garden Variety Arab. Like, what was the Iron Sheik? I'm not even sure. You finally just now got wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like hey wait a minute i'm wondering if this is an unsavory representation of humanity <laughs> and what's interesting too is that like rowdy roddy piper is canadian and I you could have just left idea. him as canadian and and that would have been <clears throat> enough of a villain right um mm. so the my understanding is is that vince mcmahon didn't want him to do this movie for some reason and I don't know, 
if it was just a Vince McMahon. This is a Barry Gordy move on Vince McMahon's part. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if he was if it was just a flex, you know, where Uh Vince McMahon likes to like keep control, or if he didn't agree with maybe the the politics of it. So he, I think, odd that Vince McMahon would have done some kind of unsavory business dealing, right, around (laughs) this time. Yeah, and so he, and I think he, what he said was, "Hey, if you want to do a movie, I can get you a movie." You know, same, you know, uh, pay and all that stuff, right? But then, so he, but Roddy, Roddy Piper, uh, rowdy as he is, was like, no, I'm a, I'll quit the mm-hmm. WWF. And then I think what happened is this. You've got the wrong rose. Piper if you think you're going to subdue this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, uh, I think then his stock rose. And then I think, so I think he came back. So I think when there were, it seemed like there was a period of time where I was watching wrestling and there was no Rowdy Piper, but I knew there was from the cartoon, but then he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he had his, um, like his own talk show on wrestling. Do you remember that? Like no. you would, like, like you would, because they always would have these little side things where he would interview people. And then of course, mm-hmm. it, it, at some point those interviews would, I know shocking uh, about to say is like, they'd go awry. And, um, <laughs> sometimes, uh, I, I mean, there'd be it. violence involved. With violence, violence would ensue. Yeah, I'm I know. Shocked. I know. And it's crazy. Like, I'm sure that they've coached everybody before and they go, Hey, look, you know, there's gonna be some pro- provocative things said, save it for the ring. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, ignore that chair next to you or any other prop that could possibly be used as a weapon. It's like I know that we've included another ten folding chairs in this room <laughs> that have no purpose, but please try to avoid the temptation of hitting each other over the head with these things. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so he left to do this film, and I kind of feel like let me just say, <clears throat> never seen this film. Yes, and that I mean, I'm surprised, but not. I mean, I guess just just considering how often I've watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never seen this film. Had no idea what it was about. Didn't know who was in it. And I intention. I mean, I knew it was Carpenter, right? Right. But I intentionally did not look up anything ahead of time. So when I saw the title actor as Roddy Piper, <laughs> immediately I'm thinking, "Oh hell yes!" Yeah, right. Roddy Piper and the Rowdy was not there, and I thought, "Oh, he's shedding the Rowdy. He's this is this is a serious entree into cinema by Mister Piper." Yeah, this is it. This is a big deal, and um, this movie was like number one when it first came out. You're kidding! How did I miss this? And then I don't think it was in theaters for very much longer. Like it had this weird blip and then it just disappeared. And I think it's because uh, it revealed too much. And, uh, and, and, oh, you, and oh, you, th- you think that the man wanted to yeah. oh, they, they shut this down, put this in a canister. Yeah. See, this movie is a metaphor for itself. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anyone's ever said that before. <laughs> We're we are absolutely breaking ground with cocoons of horror. Is this is this movie a is this a comedy or is this a horror? What, what do you think this is? This strikes Sci-fi? me as this strikes me as a movie that became a comedy when people laughed at it. I don't know. I kind of feel like Carpenter knows. He's definitely there's what? definitely a tongue in cheek quality to this film, right? I mean, uh-huh. um, and, and what do you feel? So let's. I think we. I think we should take some time to talk about John Carpenter. What's your relationship with John Carpenter? So I think it begins and ends really with Terminator. Well, that's James Cameron, so that's already off to a rocky start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> same <laughs> well, same initials. <laughs> Well, let's let's say it begins and ends with Terminator and leave it there then. <laughs> well, all right, okay, <laughs> perfect. What? Tell me, tell me the other movies that John Car- Carpenter is known for. <laughs> well, Terminator Two, obviously, um, and the Titanic. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's still Cameron. Um, <laughs> so. John Carpenter, uh-huh. uh, The Thing, famously. Yeah, have not seen. Um, okay, Christine. Have not seen. Um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, there you go. Yeah, now we got one that I've seen. Starman. 
Wait, is that different from Karate Kid? Because <laughs> I know that I've seen one of them. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. That's no, no. I, I'm I'm joking. Yes, of course. I've seen Big Trouble. I've seen Starman. There's uh, then there's like Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I just because I went on a little bit of a uh, journey to find out like what were some of the um, the other films that he had like maybe that I didn't realize that I had seen mm-hmm. of his, and, and it was definitely a Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I did not expect. Have you ever seen that one? That's real bad. No, no, no. I have not. It's, like I said, there's Chevy a Chase. lot of horror that I have not seen. Yeah, but this is like, I think it's more of a comedy. It's Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah. Oh, then there's a, probably a reason why I haven't seen it. Yeah. And of course, you've seen uh, both of the escapes Escape from New York, Escape from LA. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the original yes. Halloween. But then there's movies like Prince of Darkness and The Mouth of Madness. Um, Ghost what of about Mars. what about Terminator Judgment Day? Also Cameron, oddly. All right, That's... yeah. It seemed like it seemed like they, they stuck with him for at least the first two of the franchise. <laughs> seemed okay. important. Yeah. All right. Let's okay. Let's uh, talk about Terminator. I feel like you have a better sense of that. <laughs> movie. Sure, sure. When the spaceship <laughs> descends to the planet because of the distress signal. I felt like the Terminator looked a lot like an alien. <laughs> was that just me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about they live. So, because... so, so anyway, anyway, just saying, going back to the Carpenter discussion was, uh, yeah. like stylistically, I mean, there's a lot about a Carpenter movie that feels similar, and I think a lot of it is the music for one thing, because he generally composes his own music. Um, so there's, I noted that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he has, he has a way that like, you know, it's Carpenter and I, I mean, and somebody, this one was a little bluesy. Is it always a little bit bluesy? I think it was intentionally bluesy. And I love how, uh, Roddy, yeah, exactly. Roddy (laughs) plays his own harmonica. So he's doing his own stunts. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Wait, you're telling me he does he falls down 19 times and that's all him? <laughs> I mean, the elevator pitch for this movie could be Roddy Piper falls everywhere. <laughs> he falls all the time. And I mean, so I'm t- I, I'm, I'm not joking. I about <laughs> after the 10th time I thought, you know, I should start counting these because <laughs> For the like first count, 45 like counting F words in Wolf of Wall Street. Let me let me just uh, let me just tell you how he falls. So he falls backwards. Now he falls backwards twice. One of them is really important for the plot because he finds something that's important. He uh, he falls down a hill. Mm-hmm. He falls out a window. He falls out a dump truck. He yeah, falls. why does the dump truck dump him out? Like, why does the dump truck dump that? Because he's falling everywhere. This is definitely intentional, right? And also, and also, this uh, this particular alleyway, it's like that's where you go to throw away all your Christmas tinsel. <laughs> There's so much tinsel back there. Like, it's he, mostly tinsel, tinsel, and a box of uh, sunglasses. Fa- so sunglasses. yes, he falls over <laughs> Christmas. That's right. He falls over a concrete divider, and then he falls like at least fourteen times during a fist fight. Oh man! And we—I mean, we'll get to the fist fight, but if there isn't a square inch of LA, <laughs> he falls into it at one point. Like he falls through a but, hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> he falls into LA. That's basically what happened. All right. So this is a goofy movie, and it's—it's it's really look. I, I'm not going to damn it with faint praise. This movie's prophetic. Mm-hmm. And it's actually taken a pretty serious theme. Yeah. And it's completely disguised as, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure that this is a horror movie. It's, Do you think this is a horror movie? I think it's I think it's sci-fi. Certainly it's sci-fi. And I think this is another one of those where, like, I mean, there's really not a lot of, I mean, there's violence, but it's not, it's not graphic. I mean, there's like, a, there's a shootout scene, right? The the horror would be in um, the 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 finding out right like the coming coming to terms with the fact that uh, we are all 
basically under the control of beings from another planet that are yeah, working extraterrestrial with the overlords, basically. Yeah, that are working with, with the elite or creating the elite to help them essentially strip mine uh, our, our planet. They are dismantling the sleeping middle class. More and more people are becoming poor. We are their cattle. We are being bred for slavery. Right. I mean, that's that's the idea. Yeah. And that I mean, let's I mean, let's go back to what you just said about the, the prophetic nature. I mean, 1988, this takes on this has explicit climate change warnings in it. I don't remember like, hearing a whole lot about climate change. Yeah, climate change is is definitely there. Uh, it does take on sort of that very 80s concern with materialism, right? Right, right. That's kind of on the nose, but the climate change is certainly there and the the concern over media, news media right. in particular, right? Is is yeah. also there. I mean, it also has something to say about the institutional corruption of police as well. I mean, Right. It's a goofy, goofy movie, and it's kind of the goofiness kind of is the disguise for some really serious themes that I was not prepared for. Right, and and so that you know again that that sort of adds to I think the charm, right? And so it's inter- interesting to read some reviews like uh, in '88 versus later. Like I think mm-hmm. the early reviews were pretty much what you said right like it's like hey here's some heavy stuff that is undone uh by its by its performances by some other choices maybe by because it's only like an hour and 30 minutes like 37 minutes right so it's it's a lot of theme in a short period of time when you think about it all right hour and 37 minutes and nothing that is overtly supernatural or science fictiony or horror-esque happens in the first 35 minutes. Right. You're just following this homeless guy around LA and that's it. That that's all you're getting for the first 35 minutes. I mean, it's really patient this movie. To almost almost to the point that it's a little bit excruciating, you know, you keep waiting for something to happen to this guy. Yeah, it is wild uh, on a rewatch to like, especially because like I rewatch, I watch it. It's like a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I've always enjoyed it. I believe I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Um, and I think I, I even when as a young kid, I was so taken by that idea of subliminality because I think that's something we had we we had been for whatever reason subliminal messaging had definitely been something that was like it seemed like an eighties thing, like at least the discussion of it. Like, and I, I don't know if it was just because we were becoming aware of it, but like the idea that there could be a thing, uh, such a thing as subliminal messaging, uh, really uh, fascinated me as a kid. So I think to see this, I think that see... the most I was ever exposed to that idea was the idea that if you played records backwards, they mm. would say something. Right. Right. And the idea was that, like, you know, rock and roll is, is you know, teaching your children to be Satanists or something like that. Because the human mind understands these words, even though they're, they're played backwards. Right. But your conscious mind won't notice that, that that's sort of going into the system. Right. And then also... All like bullshit. Maybe, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, they're, like in some sometimes in movies, like, there would be, like, uh, quick splices of things that, like, you know, that would make you more terrified that you didn't realize you were seeing, but your brain was collecting them on some level. Right. So like those things were discussed. And, um, and so the idea that this was a way to sort of decode that, that it really was, that it was all around us is like, it was, it's, it was like, it's, it's pretty on the nose. I mean, it's pretty clear, uh, what's, what's being critiqued, at least in terms of the, what the sunglasses do. Um, then it adds this other element of, uh, you know, extraterrestrial side of it right. right and and i think that that's you know so as a kid you like i was i was like super into it i liked all that and then so on rewatches especially last night doing a, a closer reading of it was was like yeah i mean it is it is a it's a rocky road to get to where they're trying to get to right um and and i think it's whenever you have like a high concept like that it's kind of hard to know like well where are you gonna go with it right and and it felt like to me the the journey was much more the goal than the destination of this type of film. And uh, I think it's a ton of fun. I think there is some really interesting 
things that it's it's definitely uh pardon the pun wrestling with um but uh <laughs> but it's it's and it is because there are some heavy notes but there's just some <laughs> some like you said there's there's for a movie that's short and it sure takes its time on certain things like it took its it took its time on that rating of the homeless encampment yeah like that that was that was a long time right i mean and it and and i don't know how i think i got it like pretty quick right um, and I, and even then, I think that that scene is good. Like, I actually think that there's, there's something that John Carpenter's doing there that I think is really interesting because you have the police force coming in. They're coming in to basically shut down the church because the church is, is where they're meeting to get, you know, sort mm-hmm. of create this sort of coup. Um, but when they go to take the homeless encampment out, what do they use? They don't use like a SWAT vehicle. They don't use a police vehicle. They use, um, you know, a, a, a big old tractor from like the construction site. And I think that that's, I think there's something even more telling about that imagery, right? Where he gets a job on the construction site. They're all just sort of working on the construction site, but then they use their own sort of, you know, their own tools against them, basically showing that that like at any given moment, no matter what level of this, of this machine system that you're looking at, it can all turn on you as long as you're, you're always, you're always subjugated. Right. And I think that that Mm -hmm. was kind of, so I think like visually, I thought that was a really cool choice uh, that went on for way too long. Speaking of taking its time, is this the longest fist fight in film history? It's it's pretty long, man. It won't. It was relentless. I'm giving you a choice: either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Not this year. Again, it was one of these things where it was like, "This is getting ridiculous." It's kind of funny, and then it's kind of like, "Oh no, it's still going," or he's gonna get up. I thought he was knocked out, and then. You realize, oh no, this is gonna ha- this is gonna go on and on and on. I almost got bored and then got delighted three or four times, thinking, right. surely, surely this is gonna end at some point. And the whole th- the pretense of the entire thing is he just wants the guy to put on the sunglasses. Do you imagine? <laughs> they're wi- you imagine? They are willing. They are willing. To have like a ten round boxing match, yeah, just because one guy wants the other one to try on some sunglasses. It's such a great. I mean, I it's so funny. I mean, it really it is a it is it does become funny because it is they commit to the bit and you're exact you're exactly right because I've seen this again a lot of times and every time there's always this one spot where I'm like all right, but then. You go back for more, and I'm like, nah, yeah, you better keep going. And then it, to the point when it ends, I'm like, ah, oh, man, you could have kept going a little bit longer. <laughs> there's, like, I would just, I would have loved the scene. whole movie. The whole movie could have just finished out the next hour, them just stumbling and rolling into things, and like, and that's how you reveal that they're aliens <laughs> is that they just, he throws them into the satellite. Like, it's never intentional. It's just they won't stop fighting. And at the end, you know, he puts the sunglasses on. It's like, oh, now I get it. I mean, there's this one part of the fight where Piper is laying on the ground and the other guy is just he's just body slamming his crotch over and oh over. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so funny. Just, <laughs> I just I had to pause it and just just cackle and collect <laughs> myself before I started because I didn't want to miss what was gonna happen. And like if you're gonna come here, then you've got my attention. Right, and I'm I'm riveted. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next with this fight. I love how he threatens to step on the glasses, but then doesn't. <laughs> like even then, like like the show that like, hey, at the end of the day, I think you're a murderer because that's a, that's kind of where this is coming from, right? Yeah, right. this is coming from the idea that's like, hey, I know I met you like two days ago, and but now we're that, best friends. Since that time, you have shot several people in a bank. And I think I should distance myself from you. All right, I'll give you your week's pay. You want me to wear sunglasses? I give you a lot of cash. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give you your money. But then that's it. That's where our relationship ends. No, I will not wear those sunglasses. No, I will not wear those sunglasses. All right, I will murder you. And then, But then there's that moment of respect where it's like, oh, you know what? We went through a lot for these sunglasses. I won't put them on, but he can have them. There are two legitimate, like... 
full on body slams, like oh, yeah. uh, pile, dry, pile drivers. Pile mean, drivers, yeah. Oh my gosh! And then this is all on concrete. These guys are bashing each other's heads around, but because the car window gets smashed, <laughs> he has to stop and apologize. <laughs> so was it when he breaks the window and he apologizes? Is it because like he realized that like maybe the two by four was a bridge too far? I think he thought, I really want to give you a concussion, but I if, I don't know if our friendship, our two-day friendship, can survive property damage. <laughs> right. I mean, because then it's like, I mean, we both have to probably, even though I was the one swinging it, we'll both get in trouble for this. <laughs> Let's just go back to shooting aliens in a bank. I don't Put even think it's his, his car. No, I don't know whose car it is. The uh, all right, so th- clearly this fight is hilarious, but if we wanted to get serious about it, the fact that it goes on so long makes me think Carpenter is saying something about how aggressively addicted Americans are to consumerism. Like they're not going to put on the glasses; they do not want to see what's under mm. the surface. Yeah. They are. I think, that, I think that's fair. They're going to fight to remain slaves to consumerism. Yeah, and I also think that there is another element that makes that really important too. Is that um, in order for any ruling class, whether you're looking at a patriarchy or some sort of a, a different sort of class, you know, maybe a, a material-based system, it's it's important to in order to maintain peace from those that are marginalized. Is you just let them fight each other right i mean oh sure so so there's something to be said for this sort of you know working class they're fighting amongst themselves and to well there's also a racial component right there's a racial component the elite are are, the elite are happy to have the poor whites and the poor blacks fight each other because that distracts them from the real violence that's happening right right exactly so that so i think there's something to be said for uh for that scene and why i think it 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 does doesn't matter to the tune of like needing to be six minutes long. I don't know. This movie also has some very memorable one liners. Oh my goodness, Mama don't like tattletales. Because a few of these I've never heard before. Like like when he tells the cop to beat your feet. Right. Oh, so I read a little bit of trivia about that. The guy said when because the the guy who's playing the cop doesn't know what the, what uh, Piper's going to say. So when he says uh-huh. beat your feet. He just starts running in place. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, the and then of course the uh, the chew bubble gum line. That's that's all him, and he that, that he wrote that. Is that right? Because yeah. I've heard people say that, but I didn't know where that came from. <laughs> and it's and so a little background. I tried to convince Heather to watch this again. Yeah, uh, it's gonna. I, this is gonna. What I'm about to say might shock you. Not really her thing. Um, mm, mm. But uh, for her sake, uh, she was very fortunate that she was sick, so she was in the other room uh, and didn't have to uh, watch it. But she, but she would hear it, and uh, and it, it. It's almost like I think the thing she doesn't like about it is probably maybe it's the dialogue. <laughs> so she wasn't really escaping. Uh, oh, no. oh, really? The experience, yeah. But I, I mean, because but she did bring up a point. She's like, so okay, you know, you like that line, but why does he say it then? <laughs> like, why? Like he, he's just now stumbling onto the truth, and he comes into a bank, and he's just like, ah, I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tear some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> he, All right. he accidentally robs a bank, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple, a couple of one-liners that I found notable. Life's a bitch, and she's back in heat. Ah, yes. That is a good one. That is very, very good one. Uh, and since I did some research, uh turns out that that is Randy Macho Man Savage's favorite line in the movie. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Because I have no idea what it means. <laughs> like, well, life wants to hump me? What, what are we... Yeah. What, what does this mean? Uh, I, yeah, I think I think life is at the height of its aggressiveness, right? The golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rule. That's the golden rule, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is sort of juxtaposed against a different line. 
I believe in America. I follow the rules. And that's sort of him saying, like, hey, the uh, the American dream is set up for me to succeed. It's going to break my way. As long as I do all the right things, the American dream can be mine. Right. Until he puts on those sunglasses, man. Changes everything with sunglasses. Changes his motive. I mean, his motivations are different. His uh, his mission statement is much different, right? I mean, like, and, he, I, and he's got to go, and he's just got to go fix it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, well, not only has he got to go fix it, but he's got to tell these aliens what he thinks of how, how they look. Can we talk about the way the aliens look for a minute? Uh, you mean that they look like they uh, fell into some cheese dip from 1953? <laughs> if I may quote Mr. Piper. <laughs> he, he also uses the term formaldehyde face. Formaldehyde face was pretty great. Softens it with the police officer. Oh, did you nick yourself shaving? Like, all right, that's, I feel like we're taking a step back on some of these roasts. He went from I I believe in the American dream to you're ugly to I have to shoot everyone that looks like you yeah, in a right. very short amount of time. Right, and there and then there come there does come a point where I'm watching them like especially in the like the TV station. I'm like, well, are all of these aliens bad? I mean, like, are they all? I mean, like, some of them look like they might just be doing their job too. Like, do they know that what they're doing? You know, is there is there a redemption moment maybe for some of these aliens as well? Mm-hmm. But like. It's pretty indiscriminate, right? Like, he just goes through and it's like, you don't look like... I mean, there's, so there's like another element of this that's somewhat problematic. Like, you don't look like me, so I will shoot you. Because you're obviously a bad guy. <laughs> so, I want to talk about the way the aliens look. Because I didn't know what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. First off, the it goes black and white when the sunglasses go on. Right. So, it's hard for me to tell. Like, is this a robot face? Right, right, yeah. Or is this something else? I, at first I thought these are robots. How do, how do you feel about the special effects of this movie? Mm. You mean the little flying saucers? <laughs> no, the whole thing. It's it's very 50s, uh, yeah. 1950s uh, black and white sci-fi. Right, it's right? interesting. And that, that's a look that seems very intentional, right? I mean, and, it's, and yeah. I think it's, and it is interesting too because one of the things about John Carpenter's... Uh, filmmaking that gets a lot of credit is the thing uh and and the how elaborate the effects were for the time right yeah and and this is a fairly simplistic movie in terms of of the aesthetic right i mean there's not a i mean the explosions have a kind of more of a sparkler effect um the the aliens all look like they like shared a mask right um Mm -hmm. it's uh so it's, it's i think they're interesting looking but i don't know that it um it's particularly convincing, and I almost feel like that's why it may have been shot in black and white. Maybe a part mm-hmm. of it was like we can save a little bit on how well we make everything look. Um, it's funny because you get you had all that, and it looked very nineteen fifties sort of low budget sci fi. But then when you go to the spaceship, uh, I guess hangar, you know, the launch mm-hmm. point for the spaceship, right? That was uh, th- that felt very Starman to me. Right, it felt yeah, yeah. like. Oh, this you you can do this. You're just choosing not to do this for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it did sort of. It, it was a jarring. It was jarring to see that effect. Didn't feel very present, like because you did. It did feel like you got into another movie, right? Which I mean, it I, mean, I liked ways, it. it. Certainly, yeah. I liked it. And in some ways, I think that that made it kind of interesting, you know, in another you know way because uh, even though he's seen aliens and he can see the subliminal messaging and all that with the sunglasses. There is, it, it, it does feel old timey. And so maybe it feels like it feels more accessible as a guy that can go in there and maybe do something to, to, to make a difference. And then as it gets, you know, as it gets down into the hangar and he sees all of that, like, so the movie takes a different turn in terms of effects. So in a way, maybe like his, his reality really shifts like, okay, look, this is now we're talking about like, this is way bigger than, than me. Like the best he can do, is reveal it now we know that we're actually having sex with aliens right exactly because trying to convince them to put on the sunglasses if we know is is a bit of a chore (laughs) let's talk about this guy's name all right so we've been calling him roddy piper right right because he never revealed his name in the movie but in the credits he's called nada right and i guess i I don't know how do you how do you read that because it's clearly not a normal name 
No. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, the fact that he's never mentioned, his name is never mentioned in the movie, and the fact that his credit is nada, I mean, essentially, what, nothing. Um, I think it just, it, it's, that's that's kind of, I think, the point, right? Like, he's he's a nobody. He's a drifter. He's, huh, uh, okay. He, he's not really, I mean, he's not a hero by choice. I was he's, thinking that this is the one guy that's going to say no. Mm, interesting to consumerism like he's he's going to resist yeah see i saw it more as like here's a guy who's got nothing to lose so he's so so he's willing to yeah to, having nothing means you can afford to say no right huh all right okay uh i don't think he's a very am i convincing great... you am i convincing you this is a good movie um hmm. <laughs> i think i need a little bit more convincing uh I, I certainly had fun with this movie, Steve. I don't think that uh, Nada, as he's called, is a very good judge of character in, in you know, comes to the opposite sex. Mm. I, yeah. I think that he's maybe overly trusting of the woman who just pushed him out a window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very loyal to her, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's, let's break this down. First, he carjacks her. Right. Falls on her floor because, of course, he can't. He, he's falling so much that he can't <laughs> he make just, it to the couch. Something must have happened to the gravity when uh, these aliens took over. I don't know what's going on. They're just sucking him down this. to the planet. Uh, eventually, she pushes him out what looks to be a third story window. Mm. But the hill below is steep enough that it kind of. Like he he kind of somersaults down the hill. Yeah, the, the ground broke his fall. <laughs> the ground, the ground broke his fall, and uh, so he then he shows up to the secret meeting of the resistance, and she's there. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's like, uh, you know, I thought I might have killed you. I thought you did too. Uh, but now they're dating. Like that, it's a very strange. Seems like they're a couple. Like he's willing to risk his life for the woman that just pushed him out a window. I don't think he knows much about her. And she kills Frank. Holly kills Frank, Steve. Yeah. Frank dies. Yeah. She's clearly not an alien, right? No, but she's now she's some in between the time that so was she a double agent, <laughs> or did she? She's just... got weird eyes. I'll tell you she, that. Yeah, much. yeah. So, she, or did she go back to the cable place, and they're like, "Look, look, you know, never mind. We'll give you a raise just if you help us kill these people." She's a collaborator, basically. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I got out of that. I think one of the hardest parts for me, in terms of uh, like anything realistic or not, was there was a point where he like is wandering in L.A. and he finds himself like. In some sort of like, I don't know if he's like in an alley or an aqueduct or something, but he's like cold. And I'm like, bro, you're in like LA in the summer. You're not cold. And that just. <laughs> What's going on with that? And he's just like, he's like all shivering. And then he, and he's like, like breathing. And then he falls asleep in like two seconds. And, uh, <laughs> and that whole, I'm like, these, again, you, these sunglasses mess you up, man. Yeah, they I guess mess just, you yeah. up. Yeah, everything's different for him, right? I mean, the climate is changing in his own body. The gravity is, is different. He keeps falling. Woo! It's like a drug. I mean, these glasses make you high, but, oh, you come down hard. These guys, <laughs> he's been through it. Is there a cliche trope or device that uh, that you liked in this movie? Uh, I, yeah, I definitely, well, I think it goes to the um, the, the idea that, like, like one guy, the one guy has like can can see. Like I mean, I, I know the other people can, but like the one guy knows the truth, and he's trying to get trying to get people on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's because that it sort of begets that that like reluctant hero guy, right? Like he didn't sign up for this. Um, I like a watch that does tricks. You like a tricky watch? I like. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care if it's Knight Rider or James Bond or whatever. I like a watch that does anything but tell time. Love how, like, when you see them and they, you know, like, he could see us, and boom, and they can, then they disappear. They're talking into their watches. Their watches can make them disappear. Their watch can like open up a portal. Yeah, they could. Yeah, that's pretty great. 
wristwatches had a little apex there in the 80s. Yeah, we wanted um, our watches to do something, and all it does is tell me I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> they finally do something besides tell time, and we're not all that impressed. Uh, we were more impressed when they were calculators, I think. Right, oh, or when they, remember the ones that you would transform? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those are great. Oh, man, I forgot about those. Do you remember, so so you're a Sebastopol guy. This is around the time that, like, you remember on, in, in Sebastopol on Pleasant Hill Road, somebody had wrote uh, on the road, like, and it looks like paint, and I think it was in front of the Apple Ranch, and it said, Oppression Reigns, We Sleep. Do you remember this? No, no I don't remember Really? Because this. this was there for years. It's big letters. Oppression Reigns, We Sleep. And... And it, it was kind of a running uh, gag, uh, you know, in my house. and Because huh. uh, it was like you would see it every time you would drive. So you were coming up from Elphick if you were going to the um, Apple Ranch. So you wouldn't see that. But uh, it, I would see it all the time. And so it's just funny because I think that's probably another reason why this movie resonated with me around that age. Because I think it was around that time frame is that when somebody had painted that. So when you're watching a movie where everything's like consume and obey and stay asleep. Yeah, sure. You know, and then I'm like, oh, wow, look, you know, it felt like They Live was there in my backyard. Do you think that it was it was based on? It was I don't based think on so. Movie? I don't, I, but I mean, it, it's interesting to, because I have no idea, you know. Do you what, think John Carpenter saw that sign and got inspired? Either he saw that or this was all part of like a really brilliant campaign where they were going like a small town. He was on his way to the Apple Ranch. As get he some would do. Noun laters. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he saw the sign. That's, that's what happened. On his way to this get movie. a Jolly Rancher stick that he would suck into a shiv. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and he saw that and was like, hey, I'm inspired. No, so that's so I think that was in, like so when I yeah that that so it just spoke to me this idea that like ooh the, the, this movie's provocative just like the streets of Sebastopol. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one tweak that you would make to this movie <laughs> to um, improve it? I would make one tweak, and this is specifically for my wife because she did watch the first like ten. 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And she, the whole time she's like, I don't think uh, Roddy Piper's wearing underwear and it's really bothering me. <laughs> so I would say I would get him some boxer briefs. Well, it's funny that, that it, it comes up because he's most known for wearing a kilt, right? Right. Yes. I don't think true. he really knows what to do with underwear. They give him denim and he's like, hmm, this is weird. This is a shirt for my legs. <laughs> he's not familiar with lower extremity wear right did you notice at the end when the uh aliens are like on their little uh communicator device it's the thing from ghostbusters no that, that would that no. he would they would bring in to sense ghosts and it would like raise up and has the lights on it it's oh that yeah same yeah, yeah. Thing. now that you mentioned it of course it is yeah <laughs> it's the same thing it's the same thing so this is 88, right? So it's got to yeah. be a Ghostbusters homage. Oh, or a prop that was lying around. <laughs> it, was, it was lying around. And that's and we first see that when uh, they find out that they like stopped the, um, like they, they broke up the, the people that were going to do the revolution or whatever. And then the two, uh, two guards like jump up and high five each other. <laughs> <laughs> Well, these guys have been yeah. on Earth for a while. Yeah, they're rubbing it in. Yeah, show full high five, and then I think he said something like, "Let's go meet the A team." Yeah, that, and they I don't say know, that. and I'm assuming they're talking about like there's another team that did the like that's the A team that went and got it, or or no. was it like, or was that the actual the actual reward for a job well done? I was like, you guys Hannibal. are good. Face, Murdoch. <laughs> if you guys can break up that revolution. B.A. Baracus, they're going to go meet going to all. Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I After this movie was done, you know, Sarah saw me giggling to myself <laughs> a lot. 
and uh, I was trying to explain to her the you know the movie. Really, I was thinking about the fist fight scene. I just it, it just it it just tickles me to no end that they are fighting over whether or not this guy would try on a pair of glasses. Right. He didn't even want him to wear them that long. He just just try them on, man. It was sort of this <laughs> prolonged violent episode over fashion. Yeah, it was like it was the most aggressive infomercial for blue blockers I've ever seen. So I would laugh and I would try to explain to her. And of course, you know, it's not really working because you kind of have to experience it. And then it'd be about an hour later and she'd be like, are you still laughing about that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am still laughing about it. Well, so, yeah. And also we're talking about, for me anyway, like, so 88, this movie comes out, right? So I'm 12. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as much as I, you know, like, at 12, like I, I could talk to you about all the different things about the sunglasses and the aliens and, and it's Rowdy Rowdy Piper, but you, you're 12. You can't really shake the last image you see. <laughs> yeah. It, it did get an R rating right at the end there, didn't it? Right. Cause there's just this, this sequence where, uh, where an alien and a, and a, and a human are, they're having sex. She doesn't know that is an alien because you know she doesn't doesn't have glasses. But then the, the satellite thing gets blown up, and so now everything is revealed, and, and she's mm-hmm. she's having some of the most um, the least passionate. Uh, I was I wrote down perfunctory. Yeah, that's a good word. She, but her eyes she's were closed. Not into it. I no, mean, she certainly. <laughs> This is not yeah. the best sex she's ever had. No, yeah. So we, one thing we know about the aliens is they're not necessarily they're not super powered. Um, <laughs> not in that way. Not they can disappear way. on you. That disappear. doesn't really help. Right? Yeah. You might want to put the watch on and see if that does. If there's another mode, um, <laughs> and then then she like opens her eyes because she's just like, oh, hopefully it's over. And uh, and then she, and there he is. What's wrong, baby? And she slaps him. <laughs> then there it is. That's that's how the movie chooses to end. Well, it's odd. It's an odd ending. And I mean, there's something. So I mean, it really, on one hand, yes, does it? It feels gratuitous to end that way. But mm-hmm. you know, but but uh, given that I've been you know advocating for for a lot that uh, John Carpenter chooses to do, uh, this is the moment though that we see like. I mean, there's obviously implications, right? That that, that uh, aliens and humans are are intermingling in on the planet, and this is this is a very clear, uh, you know, moment where we realize, okay, so now there's there's even potential for like, is there a breeding possibility? Mm-hmm. You know, that, oh, that yeah. can go on here. Big you know, so there so there is this. It does take it to a level where it's like, oh wow, this is not just talking about you know uh, class and whatnot. This is a this is an invasion of like of an intimate sort as well right mm-hmm. so i think that so i think that there is value to some degree to that sequence and it does have like this almost rapture moment right where like everyone <laughs> is aware of this thing that's happening uh, i thought it was him putting the sort of his thumbprints on the movie because right before that he name checks himself right you've got a movie critic on the screen oh yeah 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 for sure you know that says you that's know you know directors clearly... like john carpenter have Taken media too far, or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very, really good point. very sort of. So he does it anyway, right? Yeah, he's like, so I'll show you. Yeah, so he almost gives himself permission to do whatever he wants right. because he's that's... already sort of undercut any kind of movie criticism. Well, and what he does is he he creates a very meta situation, right, where he's he is. Uh, part of that universe, right? I mean, this is this right. isn't this is not a an alternate. Uh, earth in this in this story it's very much the one he's in and making this movie in Mm -hmm. steve is this movie better worse or on par with a ron howard movie (laughs) this is beyond howard this is a a different spectrum howard yeah (laughs) howard couldn't touch this i don't know what howard would do but I know it's not this. Well, okay. This is a short story, right? It's based mm-hmm. on a short story. Right. 
uh, titled Eight O'Clock in the Morning. And but clearly it's got lots of carpenter fingerprints all over it, right? Right. I guess the the closest thing that I can think of is, you know, Howard taking on the Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, which is it's an action film. There's sure. a mystery that's revealed. It's high There's budget. a you know, higher up conspiracy, clearly, but it's sort of an A list kind of film. Right. Right. If I was going to rewatch The Da Vinci Code or this film, I probably would choose this film. Well, not only can I say that I agree with that, is I've seen The Da Vinci Code, I think. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. If you were to tell me, if you were to ask me, like, what was your favorite part of The Da Vinci Code, I would, I would say I'm pretty sure Tom Hanks was running somewhere. I I didn't think I've of seen it until this, now, I've seen but this. I'm pretty sure that... Roddy Piper and Tom Hanks have the same haircut in both movies. (laughs) One's just essentially, it's a loose remake of the other. They're wearing the Um, same wig, I think. (laughs) I mean, and I've seen They Live a bunch. So if if I'm going to take your comp and I'm going to take that formula, then I would have to... This is a Ron Howard plus eight. um, Because I know I've seen this movie at least eight times. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to say this is a Ron Howard... Uh, minus one, minus mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But I would also say the Da Vinci Code is probably a Ron Howard minus three. <laughs> That's fair. That's a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, in, but in terms of rewatchability, I could, I could, I've obviously, again, whether it's a guilty pleasure or not. I mean, I do think that there are, uh, there are some. I mean, again, I, I think the thing that makes the the themes all the more interesting is the fact that it was made in 1988 and it is explicit. Yeah. I mean, he's clear it is a uh it's a critique of reaganomics it's a critique of uh right Um, yeah i think and that makes the my last question a little bit redundant because it's such an allegory right it's such an allegory for capitalism and uh you know developing you know sort of developing nations being exploited by evil overlords you know Mm. um so, you know, the, the final question I usually ask, is there a half the battle, one to grow on moment? Right, right. And this is all about, uh, you know, check your consumerism type thing, right? I mean, that's, and even more so, and it, 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 you just added a little, uh, I think, another layer to it when you were talking about, you know, the, uh, taking over, you know, developing nations and everything. And it's like, that's what, you know, the world essentially in this um in this story, the world is a developing nation because clearly the these aliens from wherever they're from, um, they've got the upper hand, right? I mean, they're yeah, they're they, they, they're more highly developed. But I, right. my feeling is, the actual half the battle, one to grow on message here is that if ever you visit LA, knee pads and a helmet, knee pads and a helmet, be careful out there. You're gonna fall everywhere. It just it's gonna happen. <laughs> knee pads helmet elbow pads if you got them <laughs> no, he that's falls a, yeah. everywhere yeah it's he, good thing he had that hair because uh, <laughs> without i mean without that hair you would need a helmet <laughs> i have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble uh, do you got time for some feedback, Steve? I do. Okay. Uh, this is uh, from Apple iTunes Reviews, which, by the way, really help us out. Not just because we read them and it gives us content for our podcast, but because it helps our visibility and uh, keeps keeps this little podcast going. Um, this is a, This is called What a Treat. They have good chemistry. Would like it if they reviewed the original animated Pokemon film, as well as the CG remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back. Well. <laughs> any, any interest? I didn't know what language you were speaking. <laughs> Mewtwo, Mewtwo is spelt like, like a cat mewing. Okay. But it's all one word, Mewtwo. Is it T-O-O? No, T W O. Oh, so like the sequel to Mew. 
don't, I don't know if Mew. there was a Mew Strikes Back. Like 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 Mew to Electric Mewgaloo. <laughs> um, just more culturally significant films, because it's mostly just riffing on the show anyway. They don't seem to have enough energy to consistently see new movies. <laughs> oh. We're being called low energy here, Steve. Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd. I don't know who you are. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so we, so they're just basically, why don't you just go ahead and watch this since, you're, since you guys aren't going to do anything else anyway. <laughs> I mean, the original Pokemon is not necessarily a new movie. But I guess, but apparently Mewtwo is. I guess because we're not going to do new movies very often. I said since you're already (laughs) since you're already going to waste our time, why don't you waste our time with something I want you to waste my time on? Exactly, and then he he ends by saying, "We'll change this to one star if Perfect Stranger Things doesn't come back." I was born in '88. Wow, (laughs) not sure if those things are related. Interesting. Well, born in '88, it's a threat. We we're being insulted and threatened. So they were born when they live came about. That's that's special. Like that's a yeah. They were born. Yeah, they were born when they live came out. They might be half alien. Hmm. Are we being goaded by our overlords? (laughs) See, that's the thing. Is now I'm feeling like you know. Here, I'm going to pull. I have. let me put my contacts in. I'm going to pull up this review and read it myself. See what it really says. Oh, it says stay asleep. Well, weird that he would talk talk about us not having enough energy, but it's also telling me to stay asleep. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we'd love for you to uh, leave a review on iTunes for us. Uh, or you can email us at cocoonsofhorror at gmail.com. So far, I think maybe two people have used that email address since we've That's said because it because no one can spell cocoons. Just try it. Send it to four or five different accounts with different <laughs> spelling of cocoons. Right. You know, one of them will come through, I'm sure. What What should we do next? Do you want to do... Uh, I could certainly... I think I should be able to get to Strange if you want to do that. Or we just wait till it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, do we know what the timeline on that would be? No. <laughs> yeah, give a look at it. Do you think Is anyone's it... gonna care if it just we just don't review it? Uh, probably not. Uh, no exit, I think, is on the list. That's the Hulu. Or do you have Hulu right now? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay, so if you if you're gonna keep it for a while, then it doesn't really matter. But if you're planning, it might on... not. It is. It is kind of on our maybe not list. Okay, then let's let's do that sooner than later because let's do that next. Let's do that next. Okay, no exit. And that's a newer movie. New movie for uh, our reviewer, Steve. Let's do um, no exit next. Let's do it. Excited. Is that it? Beat one? your feet, Steve. Beat your <laughs> <laughs> A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. 
This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>